Let us worship God. First reading this morning is the first psalm. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Holy One, and on this law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. 
In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Holy One watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Put and prepare for all to 
This morning's second reading is from the prophet Jeremiah. Let's pray. God made these ancient words strike us anew. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. Thus says God, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose heart has turned away from God. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see even times of prosperity. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt plain. Blessed are those who trust in God, whose trust is the Holy One. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious. It does not cease to bear fruit. What do we make of these ancient words? that a life of trust in God leads human beings to become like trees, trees planted by water? This question led me to memory, to text, to the burgeoning literature on forests, and it led me to the woods. My earliest family traveled 550 miles north to a small town in Wisconsin, very near the Canadian border. After kid-size kitchen and household duties, some garden tasks, we would slip outside and run, crawl under the draping branches of dozens of Canadian hemlocks. They formed a long windbreak down the east side of a block-long property. It was cool there. It was fragrant, and the branches formed an arched dome. The green canopy hid us fully in this spot behind the rabbit hutch. Birds sang and yet remained unseen even when we laid on our backs and squinted into the layers of green above us. Our bodies shifted to tree time. We soaked in what current science now confirms. Time in the woods heals. This memory invited me to ponder this morning's readings from the destination point, a tree, instead of the two trailheads. For Jeremiah does describe two trailheads that we choose in life as we decide simply where to place our trust. Jeremiah speaks of a blessed life of trust in God. The first trailhead results in becoming like a tree, 
What does it mean to be a riparian tree, a tree planted near water? The tree planted near water sends deep roots. When the heat comes, the foliage flourishes. When the drought comes, the fruit does not fail. These very words describe abundance. The words announce steadiness when uncertainty comes. Uncertainty in the form of life's heat and life's drought. Abundance, ongoing generativity, green foliage and fruit. Jeremiah also writes of a second trailhead, a path followed by those who trust only in humans, who draw their strength from mere flesh. And he says they will be like bushes planted in a wasteland. They fail to see prosperity even when it comes. They dwell in a parched land in a desert, in an uninhabited salt plain. These very words describe scarcity, so that even when prosperity does come, it cannot be seen and cannot be felt. The experience is that there is not enough. These words remind us of what salt in the soil means to a plant. Salt may dry down the water from a bush just as drinking salt water draws down the moisture in human flesh. Matthew Sleeth has written a fairly current book titled Reforesting Faith. He helps us understand the place of trees in God's word Trees take a central role in the Bible, beginning in the first three chapters of Genesis, all the way to the concluding chapter of the last book, Revelation. Trees hold this role, and what we find is that seeds, branches, roots, fruit, every, not including trees by name, the terebinth, the oak, but these are mentioned 967 times in the text, more than any other living being beside God and people. So we see already, just numerically, the deep attachment that this mysterious God has to a trail of trees. Revelation's author describes a single tree that flourishes on both sides of the river of life. And the river of life has its headwater beneath the throne of God. We would accurately describe this by saying that God's throne sits on view property that faces the woods and a river. This river and this wood eclipse anything found on earth now for this river drinks, or this tree drinks from the water of life. Its leaves 
are for the healing of the nations. It yields 12 kinds of fruit, and it yields that fruit continually. God loves trees, clearly. Multiple writers say that if we trust God, we will become like trees, like well-watered trees. So it seems important to us know, to, it seems important for us to know what trees are like, for us to listen for the ways that we already may be becoming like trees. So what are trees like? Trees are older by far than we are, but older than Earth's living things. They are our elders. They are our teachers. You may remember from Earth science what trees are like, that they literally transform the environment, not just by their beauty, but by their sustainable microchemistry. They use sunlight and water and carbon dioxide. From those three chemicals, they have chemical plants in their leaves where they recombine these molecules to yield oxygen, sugar, and carbon. Trees gift oxygen to mammals, including humans, even to woodcutters. They do this in an interdependent relationships. What else are trees like? Trees anchor a holding environment that feeds the understory and the soil. Mature trees support a wide canopy that allows young trees to grow slowly enough. What else are trees like? Trees host life. They host the smallest of invertebrates and mammals that thrive in a thriving wood. They host lichen, a key species that provides food and nesting material. Trees host fungi, essential for a forest ecosystem. They help decomposition. They provide sources for medical human help. Trees host mycelium, and you've probably read, read about this discovery. It's a complex underground communication and transport system. Trees are interdependent. They practice by nature interdependence and interbeing. And we are encouraged to become like them in this. Trees cannot take up some nutrients on their own. So they need the help of the mycelium, this mesh of interconnected underground fungi. We could call it the wood wide web. Here, minerals and chemical communication and transportation occurs. Yes, Trees are interdependent, so they barter. They barter the sugar they create or the moisture that they take in to the mycelium, and the mycelium, in turn, 
give them the nutrients that they cannot create. Trees co-manage in every wood an efficient and abundant economy. Trees contribute to the life around them. Their root system holds the soil that anchors other plants. Trees create a soil environment that holds moisture. Trees provide shelter to the under canopy so that in times of forceful storm, this understory of plants is protected. And you may be hearing the beautiful way in which we are enjoined to become like trees. Trees use some of their sugar to make fruit and seeds and nuts. Even when the leaves and twigs and branches fall to the forest floor, they continue to, to contribute in their decay by feeding the biodiversity both above the ground and below the ground. Trees, young and old, participate in great loops of abundance, a veritable dance of abundance that binds forest communities together. Trees teach us about God's idea of perfection. Their fruit is eaten by the just and the unjust. Their wood shelters and warms the just and the unjust. In a long text that we know of as the Sermon on the Mount, we are encouraged to be perfect as God is perfect in that he shows love and his reign falls on the just and the unjust. In looking out on this audience, I see familiar faces and hearts, and I know that many of you took the trailhead and you're on your way to becoming like trees. It's no wonder, because you've already received the two things that trees must have. For the trees want you to know that our power source is off planet. And one who came to us from off planet says that you have within you a river of living water flowing from the inside. The one who came to us from off planet said as well, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. So already when we stand together, we see each other's light. We see the flow of those internal rivers. We are a community, a woods with a loop of abundance. On this morning's drive, I freshly saw city trees living with us through this time, constrained as they are, constrained as we are, yet steady. They perdure, a word that's related to endure, but perdure means they endure for a long, long time. 
My tree tour continued when I arrived up the stairs to Cumberland Hall, where I stood to thank the oldest trees in this building. They still sequester carbon. They still create a canopy for dozens of grown-up meetings during the week and for children and for our leaders. They carry on just as they once did in the woods, hosting, being hosts to the life within them. In the social hall, my gratitude easily surfaced for this stand of trees that hosts Sunday extended life together. Through the week, the social hall canopy welcomes laughter and the instruction of the Stepping Stones children. Now we sit here together. We can look around our sanctuary. We can look up. Even the word sanctuary is often used for the sacred space of hushed awe in a woodlands. John Muir famously called the woods his temple, his sanctuary. As we notice the ceiling and the woods, the wood of our musical instruments, touch the bench beneath you that supports you. Notice the beauty of this floor. We are supported and surrounded by woods that are doing the same thing creating for us a sanctuary. So these woods were felled for lumber, and we find them inviting and sustaining life still. In my childhood, my family not only traveled north 550 miles, we traveled south 550 miles to be with my dad's parents. I watched my granddad leave early in the morning for the oil fields as a laborer among another form of tree, the earth's most ancient trees. Granddad would arrive home in the evening bearing the smell of his labor and of oil, and his face would wear for us an irrepressible smile. For those living on this vast and almost treeless plain, it was the interior woods that healed them. The wood of this frame house invited family with its dark archways and heavy wooden doors. The large dining table with its different kind of leaves and its strong ribbed wooden trunk-like columns created a low canopy that always invited children. I would climb beneath, sheltered by the colorful cloth that draped low with its embroidered flowers and green foliage. It cloaked me from sight, this other wood, here in this indoor space, tree time slowed. The family stories passed overhead between grown-ups. 
stories I heard, though the storytellers, like the birds, remained invisible to me. Just as the arched ceilings of the Canadian hemlock healed us near the Canadian border, here it was the interior woods that healed. Just as we notice the interior woods of this space, we notice the light that we see coming from one another. We know the streams of living water that originate within. And we are grateful for this loop of abundance. As we continue now with the prayer chants, 
you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Oh, oh, oh. 
Let us pray. Eternal Spirit, living God, in whom we live and move and have our being, all that we are, have been, and shall be is known to you, to the very secret of our hearts and all that rises to trouble us. Living flame, burn into us. Cleansing wind, blow through us. Fountain of water, well up within us, that we may love and praise in deed and in truth. Amen. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be loved, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Go in peace.